Welcome to the Conflict Tipping Podcast with Dr. Laura May. Hello and welcome to the Conflict Tipping Podcast from Mediate.com, the podcast that explores social conflict and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Laura May, and today I have with me Jan Volkel, who recently led the Strengthening Democracy Challenge, a mega study that tested 25 crowdsourced interventions for reducing anti-democratic attitudes and partisan animosity. He is also currently finalizing his PhD at Stanford, where his key interest is morality and politics. Welcome, Jan. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very glad to have you here. As we get started then, you've got this interest in morality and politics. What drew you to this convergence of these two ideas? Yeah, I've always been fascinated by moral dilemmas and like trying to figure out like like how to apply moral principles in practice. And I think like one area where it really matters how we apply moral principles in practice is politics. And I've since then been very interested in terms of do we apply moral principles differently to different groups or like what policies actually follow from certain moral values. Yeah. And it has been, it's been a, uh, a great search for for answers ever since. <laughs> I love that because some people might say that politics is an immoral arena, but that's not quite true. Yeah, like I mean, one implication of the earlier work in my PhD that I've been doing with Rob Riller and Matt Feinberg is that you can actually arrive at certain policies from very different moral angles. So, like when we think of typical progressive policies, it is possible to like motivate that from a desire for reducing harm or a desire for increasing equality. But it's also possible to motivate that from a more conservative angle of trying to do what is best for your own in-group, oftentimes like people from the same country or trying to show respect for certain great traditions. So it's, it's very tricky to figure out what really follows directly because when you have these abstract principles, you can go in many different ways. No, fantastic. It sounds like this moral foundations theory has been very influential in, in the work you're doing. Yeah, it's certainly been one of the inspiring papers and books I've read. Like I have my own criticisms of the theory, but I still think like that it has that it has inspired a lot of thought and and I think in in research that it's already a big achievement. No, absolutely fantastic. It certainly has really sculpted the discourse about politics and how it works. So then tell me about the strengthening democracy challenge. What was it and how did it work? Yeah, so the Strengthening Democracy Challenge is best thought of really as a team science project. What we did is our team, which which consists of people from the Polarization and Social Change Lab, which is led by Rob Riller at Stanford, together with Jamie Druckmann, Dave Rand. Like we put together the framework for what we called a challenge. So we wanted to challenge other people to submit their best ideas for how to improve public problematic attitudes in, in the American public. And particularly, we were interested in reducing anti-democratic attitudes, support for partisan violence, and partisan animosity. 
And after having tried to set up the framework for that for two years, we put out an open call for submissions, both to academics, but also to practitioners in this space. Because we knew that a lot of people were working on the ground way far away from the ivory tower on this. And we hope to also gain their insights and test them with, with experimental methods in order to see where do we have good evidence that the underlying principles work. We were very concerned that we wouldn't get a lot of submissions, ended up getting 252 submissions, we thought, which we thought were a lot that resulted in a new problem because we only had spots for 25 interventions. Mm -hmm. So we had a great advisory board who helped us to select the most promising interventions or like what we and they thought were the most promising interventions based on estimated likelihood that these interventions would actually work and also novelty of the intervention. And yeah, then ran one of the um, biggest social science experiments of its kind with approximately 32,000 participants, which gave us a lot of power or like in a less academic term, the ability to estimate the effects of these interventions very precisely on a bunch of different outcomes, including the ones that I had mentioned, anti-democratic attitude, support for partisan violence and partisan animosity. And so we were able to find out not only which of these interventions work, but also which one from all the interventions submitted and selected were the most effective in, in improving these attitudes. It, it sounds absolutely wonderful. And it's a staggering achievement because I know from personal experience how difficult it is to manage a project across countries with different kinds of stakeholders and all in a timely fashion. I always had this vision for myself that it's trying to get a whole bunch of geese on leads to go in the same direction. So I'm in absolute awe that you've accomplished this incredible project. And so I also find it quite funny that I'm here as an Australian in Europe and you're a German in the US and we're talking about this specifically American challenge from the sounds of the project, because that was the scope, right? Yes, that's right. And so then when you talk about partisan animosity and these anti-democratic attitudes that were the subject of the study, are they real issues or are they just soundbites? Like, I do think that there are real issues. Like, it's, some of the work that we have been doing in the lab was really asking us this question because we were like, if we invest so much effort and resources in a challenge, it should better be a challenge where it's actually worth it. So we did some work during the two years where at first we thought that we would only focus on partisan animosity. And so we, we had assumed that if you treat partisan animosity, that you would also move more obviously problematic attitudes, like for example, support for undemocratic candidates. And we did not find a lot of evidence for that. And that is why we like opened up the challenge for multiple target outcomes that people could try to move with their intervention. However, there, there is good evidence out there that partisan animosity has other important consequences, such as influencing people in their social, but also in their economic interactions. Mm -hmm. So you can make a peaceful good relationships in your in your family so relationships that people often really care about more difficult it can undermine like taking advantage of uh, economic opportunities and yeah like when we 
look at anti-democratic attitudes are, are a very important outcome because we find that anti-democratic attitudes are linked to, to um, uh, implications of public opinion that are really consequential, such as the support for undemocratic candidates. And we see that undemocratic candidates have had plenty of success, not only in the US, but throughout the world. So strengthening people's commitment to democratic principles is a really important pathway to make it harder for undemocratic candidates to win. And one of the interesting insights that we found as a result of the challenge is that if you reduce partisan animosity, so the dislike for the other side by a lot, not just a little, that's not sufficient, but by a lot, then you also open people up to consider political opponents against undemocratic in-party candidates that otherwise they typically wouldn't consider. That's so interesting. Because as I understand it, you've got these two separate things. So partisan animosity and support for undemocratic practices. And while on the face of things, one doesn't necessarily mean the other, reducing animosity means a bit more openness to democratic principles. Is that right? No. So Okay. Yeah. So it is it's it is very tricky. It's like we we find no relationship between partisan animosity and support for undemocratic practices, but we do find links between both of these constructs, support for undemocratic practices and partisan animosity, support for undemocratic candidates. So by reducing partisan animosity, we have some evidence in, in the results from the challenge that also reduces support for undemocratic candidates, whereas reducing partisan animosity isn't really associated with reduced support for undemocratic practices. How interesting. Thank you, Azul, for the clarification. I think we're on the same page now. Okay. And so then thinking a moment about the interventions, because there was 25 of them that were in the final project, which was your favorite? Yeah, that is that is a, a great question. Like I thought like one of the most creative intervention was an intervention called counterfactual selves, which mm -hmm. was developed by a team of philosophers and psychologists. Mm -hmm. And the idea there was to reflect on like what are your what are your political attitudes now on certain hot button issues and what would your and would your attitudes on these issues have been under different life circumstances. I thought that, that was really, really helpful to, to understand the fluidity and importance, not so much of personal factors, but also of the systemic and environmental factors that play into our political attitudes and may help us to have a bit more understanding of why different people end up in different places. So I personally really like, like that intervention. It didn't do as well as some of the others but i also wanted to give a shout out because so like that was like one one takeaway from the challenge as well that some ideas are great but we don't find them be as effective empirically as others i think that's i can understand why that would have been one of your favorite interventions for sure it sounds really interesting and, and almost intuitive in a way that of course if we start empathizing with a different life story we could have had then we might end up differently right 
And so then thinking of the interventions which were really promising, can you tell me a bit about those, which ones worked the best? Yeah, one group of very effective interventions were what we would call misperception correction interventions. So you can think of this as that American partisans hold very strong stereotypes about supporters of the other side. They typically assume the worst of the other side. And so one that it was the most effective in reducing people's support for undemocratic practices, ask participants first to, to estimate how supportive um, supporters of the other party would be of many different undemocratic practices, and then provided them with real data from another survey that they had conducted. And usually the real data showed that these that the supporters of the other side were actually much less supportive of these undemocratic practices. And that in turn, if you think of it as like in a world where the other side is really un endorses undemocratic practices, you yourself may feel a need that you now need to move away from these democratic principles yourself just mm -hmm. to ha have a shot at, at, at winning at all. But if the other side like doesn't support these practices as much, there's less of a need. And as a result, people in our study also supported these undemocratic un practices less. And yeah, that intervention also reduced support for partisan violence. It reduced partisan animosity not as much as, uh, as as others, but overall it was a very successful intervention. And that was the one from UC Berkeley, is that right? That's right. Developed by a team led by Leah Grayley and, and Gabe Lenz from UC Berkeley, and then also several members from, from MIT. Great. Fantastic. And so I will confess, I wrote down some of the other interventions which proved really promising. So I'm going to ask you about them. It's like a pop quiz on, because I've got here as well, that there was one from the Uni of Pennsylvania, which was about correcting meta-perceptions. And I understand there was a video involved. Can you tell me a bit about how that worked? Yeah. So there was a great collaboration between academics and practitioners from beyond conflict who... Oh, great who did this very interesting project of doing something similar to the intervention that I just described. So mm -hmm. I'm correcting like misperceptions this time about immigration attitudes and the tendency to, to dehumanize supporters of the other side. But they did this in this nice format where you, you saw a video of people reacting to these results in real time, relatable supporters from from each side would first give their own opinion then say what they thought the other side would think their attitude was and then mm -hmm. afterwards saw so the estimated and actual overlap in in <laughs> attitudes from from democrats and, and republicans and that intervention was most effective in reducing support for partisan violence in our study it also reduced it anti-support for undemocratic practices. And I think it was like number five in reducing partisan animosity. So also wow. was very successful throughout the different target outcomes, which was not a typical outcome. All right. So it, 
what you've just described actually reminds me of that UK TV program, Gogglebox, where you watch other people watching TV to see how they react to news and soap operas, right? So I love that this has become you know, scienceified and used to test these partisan ideas and democratic ideas. They're fantastic. I've got two more I want to ask you about because one was about storytelling and expanding the pool of people who matter. And I'm very curious about this and how it worked. Yeah, there was it was a great intervention developed by practitioners. So, somebody is actually less interested in like reducing partisan animosity specifically. They're just like interested in fostering social relationships across divides. So they didn't really mention party very much throughout their intervention, which was fascinating. Instead, they had a series of five videos from from people who share like things that other people oftentimes miss about them like for example there was a librarian who like said that like one of her most useful skills is that she speaks spanish very well even though people would never know that when they would just look at her or would never guess that and so it was a nice deep dive into like how how complex and and hard it is to like know what's really going on when you don't know a person. And so like this exposure to to these five five different videos led to a, a small decrease in support for undemocratic practices and to a very strong decrease in partisan animosity. It was like we had a group of four top performing interventions for partisan animosity and it was it was among those i'm not sure if it ranked three or if it ranked third or fourth it's really fascinating and the reason i was drawn to this one as far as at least names go right is this idea of expanding the pool of people that matter because a lot of the listeners for this podcast are mediators and especially you know group mediators or occasionally even peace mediators and this notion of really expanding that pool is very central it's very central to the whole practice so thank you for sharing about that and then the last one I want to ask about was the one about media trades and incentivizing engagement. What does that mean? What what actually does this media trade mean? Yeah, yeah. This is a fascinating intervention. It had two important components developed by a team of economic, economists and psychologists led by Daniel Stone. And yeah, and so it was basically you or participants were asked to watch a video and they were told that if they watched the video attentively, they would get to send either an article or that video to to a supporter of the other side. Mm-hmm. So it was the media trade component that you were able to determine what another participant would watch if you were able to answer some questions about the video correctly. And that was to to maximize the amount of attention participants would pay to the video. And yeah, and the video was famous Heineken ad, even though we like took the Heineken part out of the video, where people with very different ideological beliefs met up, built a bar together, and then drank a beer, which was a Heineken beer. And as part of the process participants learned that they actually had very different ideological beliefs for example 
<laughs> there was a there was a climate change activist a climate change skeptic mm -hmm. and and like after they had first started to <laughs> to build this bar they would see how the other person had talked about climate change in the past and yeah and all of the conversations were very respectful and caring for the other person people wanted to stay in touch afterwards so it was an example of showing relatable exemplars from like both sides having a positive interaction with each other that's fantastic and you've reminded me actually of an episode I recorded a couple of months ago with a mediator who noted just the there was an initiative where people of one party I think it was democratic and I think highly democratic went to a very republican area and I think was delivering stew or some such and having this communal meal was a way to re-engage perceptions and ideas about who each other is right and bring everyone together swapping out the stew for beer in this case <laughs> together they could be a good meal right <laughs> absolutely yeah all right so pop quiz part over then so thank you so much for sharing about all that information about those interventions and I'd like to ask you next, what, if anything else, surprised you about the project or a particular intervention? Yeah, so you know, I think that one main takeaway that came as a bit of a surprise is that in the space of polarization and democracy, you need to be really, really thoughtful of what you are trying to move. Like, we may think of all of these different constructs as being like, closely related, maybe even basically the same. But we find that these outcomes are moved by very different types of interventions, or at least that the strength of like how strongly they are moved are quite different. And the field of practitioners and academics has done a tremendous job in developing effective interventions for partisan animosity. We found that 23 out of 25 interventions in our study had an effect that, that reduced partner animosity, which was totally surprising for us. There's a lot of criticism out there that like the interventions in the social sciences like don't actually do a lot. So we were like, this is actually a pretty robust literature with a lot of promising interventions. But things look a bit different when we when we think about support for undemocratic practices and support for partisan violence, where we found five or six successful interventions. So that that tells us it's not enough to focus on one thing and assume that that will solve uh, all of the problems. I'm not saying that like people think that it is like you you like need to be very aware of what do I want to treat? What do I think is a really important outcome in this space? And then really think about interventions that can that can treat this outcome. Oh, fantastic. And so I guess the next question has to be, how do we apply these findings? Yeah, so <laughs> there are different pathways. So one idea or one, one like main outcome of, of the challenges that we are trying to put the theoretical knowledge that we have gained about how to these problematic attitudes, that we are trying to put that knowledge or make that knowledge available to as many people as possible. There's, there are so many important, important stakeholders in this. It, it ranges from like politicians to, to journalists to activists and also 
members of the general public. So when more people know about what is what is important and what actually has an effect, then I agree with people who can come up with smart ideas. So like that's that's like one one big thing. And we organized a, a conference yesterday where we focused on practitioners in particular because like they were such an important part of the success of the project and so we like try to tell them here's something that we did in 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 our own setting where we focus on short and scalable interventions here is the knowledge that we gained from this namely certain the certain theoretical principles about how to move these outcomes and now we hope that you can use this in the kind of interventions that you run in mm -hmm. practice, which are usually repeated over time, way longer than just eight minutes. And we have a grants program where we are trying to, uh, <laughs> trying to see if we can develop like more, more prolonged interventions in the field and also demonstrate that these are effective now. And then the other big stakeholders here who, whom we hope to have an impact on is people in social media organizations because they, for them, the focus on short and scalable interventions actually makes a lot more sense. And mm -hmm. so if we could like get people from, from Facebook to realize that the way that content is displayed may really play into building up these misinformed stereotypes of supporters of the other side that would be super valuable we had with several people from social media organizations at the conference yesterday and then like politicians uh, another category of interventions that we hadn't talked about so far was that cues from elite politicians were also influential in shaping people's attitude there was this great intervention from two candidates for governor in utah who filmed this ad together talking about how they would both accept the results of the 2020 election independent yeah. of who who of them would win and like that was very successful in reducing the outcomes so if more politicians would would step up realize that what they say really matters in in also shaping public opinions on these matters and ideally do bipartisan announcements that they endorse democratic principles to take that off the plate and like reinforce people's support for these principles that would go a long way and if you're a donor to a campaign you could also try to ask your candidate for exactly that Hopefully not a donor. Hopefully a constituent as well could also write and ask. <laughs> yeah. I retain my optimism, it seems. And so it sounds like this grant program is largely for academic research going forward for longer interventions or maybe academic type mixes. Now, I'm wondering for people listening to this who might be more practice focused or might be working at smaller or community scales, is there a way they can access the results in a way that's straightforward for them? Yeah, first of all, uh, I want to clarify that the grant program is specifically for academic practitioner collaboration. So we really right. want practitioners to, to work with, with academics so that we can use the strength from both sides. 
If you don't know an academic, you're very welcome to to contact us and we are happy to connect you with with people. Yeah. In order to like how to how to get access to the findings in an applicable way, we have a website which has a lot of information. We put all of the 25 interventions up there so that people can take them themselves if they want to get a sense of what they are. People want to use them. They're free to do. They can contact us, contact the original authors, and and we have written up a paper which people can read if they want to. We have also with some summaries that might be more accessible, which are also on the website, such as a press release. Rob and I have published an ad in the Washington Post recently, which we hope is written in an accessible way. Yeah, and our team is super excited about, about these issues. So if you want to contact us, all of our details for contacting our team is also on the website. That's really fantastic, honestly. And it sounds like the project has a lot of promise ahead of it. You've already accomplished a lot and it looks like it's going to have more in the future, which is fantastic. So thank you so much for joining me today. For those interested in learning more about your work and more about these results, where can they find you? Yeah, so as I've said, there, there is a website with a lot of information at strengthingdemocracychallenge.org. Then you can find me on Twitter at JG Velkel. And you can also find the lab on Twitter, other members of our team on Twitter, in particular, James Chu, Rob Willer, and Dave Rand. Yeah. And feel free to, to reach out via email. Always happy to discuss ideas in this space. Fantastic. Thank you so much again. And for everyone else, until next time, this is Laura May with the Conflict Tipping Podcast from Mediate.com. This podcast has been brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com products and services, please visit us at www.mediate.com.